Hi, I'm Trevor. And I'm Kyle. And today, Trevor is catching up on cinema. Uh, just a disclaimer, so you know what this is. Uh, Trevor and I uh, basically recommend a movie to one another. Uh, the one who recommends has seen the movie, the other one has not. So in this case, I am recommending uh, both Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2013, 81 8 and 2013, for Trevor to catch up on, because he hasn't seen either one. Yeah, uh, funny fact. Uh, I have seen Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness, but I never actually saw the original 1981 Evil Dead by Sam Raimi. Uh, Kyle talks about it all the time. Uh, it comes up in conversation. Okay, sometimes, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> one, once a week, okay? <laughs> it comes up in conversation quite a bit, um, especially when we're talking about movies that seem to have been inspired by Evil Dead. And in a lot of ways, I feel like the legacy of this movie is much stronger than the actual film. Uh, it clearly inspired a lot of filmmakers from around the world, um, we actually covered a movie at one point called Versus uh, mm -hmm. from Japan that came out in the year 2000 that seems to have borrowed quite a bit from this movie. I, I've definitely seen Sam Raimi's camera, uh, camera angles used. Um, I think I saw it in Versus a couple of times. Oh, yeah. That tracking shot stomping through the woods in fast motion and lots of weird close-ups with like below lighting from below that just highlight all the weird crags in people's faces. Well, I, I have to say this is probably my... Second favorite of the uh, independent horror films that came out in the 70s and 80s. Um, I think my favorite one has to be the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, but I think this one is, is really good as well because it's just as much fun to watch it as it is to kind of read up on it. Yeah, um, I'd imagine. Did you read up on some of the uh, the trivia on it? Most of what I know actually comes directly from you. Oh, okay. Um, I know it's basically just a uh, like multi-year project with a bunch of friends like film school friends hanging out in the woods basically yeah so it actually they i think they did filming quickly in 1979 mm. uh it took i mean i think it took a few weeks but then the editing took about a year and a half to actually finish so i believe it yeah um it's kind of funny because at times like something about the the lighting and the makeup there's a lot of weird inconsistencies there that gave me the sense that this was filmed over a long period of time somehow like in the form of like reshoots in particular, the later stages of the film where it's like, we only have Bruce Campbell on screen, so maybe like everyone else just like boogied out and was like, fuck this, we're out, and then Bruce Campbell's like, well, I guess it's just me. Yeah, I believe that <laughs> Bruce Campbell and uh, Ted Raimi actually did some of the, the uh, I want to call it the one in the cellar. I think Ted Raimi is actually the one, for the most part, doing the one in the cellar. Oh, like the actual acting? Like the, the wearing makeup. the makeup? I think wearing the makeup, yes. I can kind of see it. Well, can you, have you noticed that um, <laughs> it's Cheryl, the lady who plays Cheryl, she has a longer, like, Barbara Streisand kind of a yeah, pointier yeah. nose? And then if you look at the cellar demon, it's got more of, like, Ted Raimi's yeah, nose. Yeah, it's which got is the flared nostrils. Flared nostrils, and, and yeah. His distinctive bug eyes, <laughs> like, like deep-set bug eyes. Um, Ted Raimi's a weird-looking guy. Yeah, he is a, he, he's an odd-looking fellow. And yes. he appears in the weirdest of places. Yeah, Dark Man. Just well, uh, I mean, that's doing work for his brother, so that's different. But he's like, mostly in Ted Raimi. He has like a Raimi very movies. small role in Twin Peaks, where he plays just like some random stoner punk who arrives in town. He's a chameleon, man. Yeah, that, that <laughs> Ted Raimi. All. You just never see him coming. And you know, Spider-Man, of course. Again, oh, yeah. again yeah. working for his brother. But yeah, Bruce Campbell is the more noteworthy cameos in those movies. Um, well, Dark Man, he gets the he gets the dramatic head turn at the end. Who, uh, who does? 
Bruce Campbell. I didn't finish it. Oh. Did you at least get to the carnival? I got to the carnival. Yeah. That's that's where I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to bed. I won the pink elephant for my girlfriend. Yeah, he's looking pretty gross. How is Francis McDormand buying that, by the way? Like, he's pretty gross looking. Yeah, he's like awkwardly pale. It's just and, me. And yeah, it's like, it's just like, we don't get much sun in Ireland. Yeah, look dead. <laughs> um, so I can, I'll just do a plot uh, plot summary. Uh, for and this both, is for both films. Both sure. movies. Uh, I think. It is a group of teens go to a cabin, um, and they are basically haunted and possessed by a demon or an evil spirit of some kind that they summon by reading a book um, bound in human flesh. Uh, it's explicitly stated in the original 81 Evil Dead, but it's not stated in uh, 2013. Uh, uh, and the reasons for them being at the cabin are different. Well, in 2013, one, uh, they had a budget. Yes. And production values to work with. Uh, so the description of it being bound in human flesh is demonstrated to us through visual storytelling. Yes. It's, I don't think it's ever said, but just by looking at it, you can tell. Yeah. Which means it's a well-constructed prop, unlike the original Necronomicon from the 1981 version, which looks a little janky. Mm. I got a chuckle out of the illustrations in there. Yeah. They it, look straight out of like an EC comic or like uh, basically like old horror comics from like the 50s or the 60s or something it's like good art but not great, not great. <laughs> good, but, not great. And, but even in the 2013 one like that some of the drawings in the book are they're a little comic booky like mm-hmm. they don't look like they came from like an ancient scripture or something like renaissance art or something it's funny we just recently did uh we recorded uh the ninth gate which will be coming out eventually but uh this is another book with uh, yeah what's up with you and demon books <laughs> see th- this is what happens this is kind of how the show like decapitate depacitations 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 and books it's kind demon of how books. it's kind of how these episodes are going is like we're, we'll be talking about a movie that one of us is catching up on and it'll bring to mind a different movie like oh i've never seen that oh well that's probably where we should go from here we've got to get out of death uh soon i don't think we're going to ever <laughs> we, have to get out of, we have to get out of the month of october because so, one of the reasons why i had you watch the evil dead is because one it's halloween time absolutely and, and this is a this is like top five halloween movies to watch um if you want to get into the spirit well especially me a, a 31 year old movie fan that tends to go more towards the trashy end of cinema this yeah. is like right up my alley I should have seen this a long time ago when all my friends were watching it in high school and middle school. Actually, you watch your mouth. It's not trashy. This is independent filmmaking. <laughs> this is an indie film. Uh, actually, I want to go ahead and just put it out there. I think that The Blair Witch Project is a fantastic uh, independent film. Independent uh, horror it's film. It's very good. Again, I feel like the legacy is stronger than the actual film. I think it was just parody too much. I think it was... It, it was, was overexposed. Yeah. To the point that they made a trashy sequel that... I dumped all the charm of the original. I got about eight minutes into that thing. I'm like, this isn't even, this is not going where I want to go. I think I got about as far into that, like the same distance into that as I did uh, Uva Bull's House of the Dead. Oh, you tried tried to get me to watch that. As soon as they started showing Sega Saturn footage from the arcade (laughs) game, like with filters put over it, like interspersed between scenes of live action. Yeah. I was like, I'm done. (laughs) I can't do this. You need to watch. Oh yeah, and it takes place at a rave on an island with zombies. You should watch The Beach, because there's a lot of things that you just said in that movie. But uh, good, right? Eh? <laughs> Most, I, I still, mostly. I still don't know how I feel about that movie. I've seen it a few times. Well, it's come up in conversation before, so I have a feeling I'm going to have to catch up on that one at some point. Oh, uh, yes. The other reason why I had Trevor uh, do The Evil Dead is because I think that The Evil Dead 2013 did something that 
I don't know of any other horror movie. I don't know any other horror movie that's done it, and that is do a pretty good remake of the original. I I can't think of too many other horror movies remakes of horror movies that were pretty good uh, compared to the original. Um, the Nightmare on Elm Street, awful. Oof, yeah. um, I didn't even watch the Friday the Thirteenth uh, um, remake. It's it's passable. It's not great. Gotcha. Um, what's his face like? Brendan or Brian Mears, I think. Yeah, Derek. No, Derek Mears. Uh, Derek. Uh, my friend and I uh, in high school went to this website all the time called Channel One Hundred One, mm-hmm. and there was a guy on there, just a an actor named Derek Mears that we called him Bald Action Guy. Bald Action. Because he was just like a six and a half foot tall bald guy that was super jacked and would show up in all these shitty five minute internet shows because he was bald and jacked. And he, now he's and now the he's new like Kane Hodder. He, now, yeah, he's the new Kane Hodder. Like gotcha. no joke, he's like played Predators. He's played Jason. He's done mocap for Resident Evil movies. He's like one of those guys now. You're never gonna see a six foot six, three hundred pound homeless dude. Like you've got options. Oh yeah, in Hollywood you got options. <laughs> you got options. Or you can like go to India and become a pro wrestler or something. <laughs> or, no, go to Japan and become a pro wrestler. Uh, uh, the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake was meh. It was okay. It, again, uh, passable. Like, passable. It's, it justified its existence. Um, I had another one up just right there. Uh, well, I mean, the thing is like the best one for you no uh, no 19 like ni- 1954 I think. oh okay the thing from another world oh okay and then that, the john carpenter uh, the thing is technically i thought you were talking about the remake, remake. no no not the thing before <laughs> the thing not thing 2011 <laughs> okay <laughs> are you sure about that are you bud? sure about that uh, i had one more around the tip because i'm my... pretty sure we talked for about two and a half hours about that one uh halloween that's what it was uh, oh rob zombie yeah rob zombie's halloween i liked it uh i don't remember the second one at all the rob zombie second one uh but the first two Halloween movies are great. The remake is good. And I've heard the new one's uh, supposed to be really good as well. Yeah. Um, I'm hearing a lot of good things. As far as I understand, they dump all the other movies except for the first one. So good. even the good. second one that you know took, takes place on the same night, they dump that too. You could leave that one in there, but I like that. I like that they're just going straight from the first one. I mean, one. you may as well. And the second one was the one that introduced the concept of her being his sister and ofi- that- officially killed Dr. Loomis. Cause, oh, because okay. I was the one that ended with the fire explosion in the hospital. Okay, yeah, 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 you're right. That's... So it's like if you cut it after the first one, though, there's potential for I guess Loomis would be too old. Loomis to be alive. has got to be. Yeah, he's got to yeah. be dead and he's buried be by dead. then. But point is, there's no confirmation that they're related now. It's okay. just it was one night of terror in this one place, which makes a lot more sense when you think of like. If your neighbor, Where, if your neighborhood had this fucker rampaging through it like every five, six years or something, that the town would just be a complete shambles, or it would be like Jaws Town or something, where Jaws they try town. to make like an attraction out of the murders. Bring your kids here to get eaten by a shark. <laughs> exactly. Are you a teenage girl who likes to babysit? Well, you're gonna fucking die this October because Michael Myers is coming to town. <laughs> And your friend who is kind of loose, yeah, she's dead too. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, she's absolutely dead. And that guy that she's banging, yeah, he's dead as well. <laughs> Welcome to Haddonfield or whatever yeah. it is. Haddonfield, Illinois. Uh, but yeah, I think that this, uh, I think the remake holds up. Um, and I guess, I think this will be a little bit of a shorter episode because we're not going to sit here and like praise how great Sam Raimi's Evil Dead was. 
uh, for an independent film with a bunch of college students, basically. Well, it's it's one of those things where it's like you you look at it and you're like, oh, bless their hearts. Yeah, it's <laughs> where it's like you can tell they had limited resources. Yeah, very very limited resources. And that's what you should rewatch that first one for. It is still fun. It's kind of a fun movie. No, I um, think that's why my brother just skipped to number two because the way I saw Evil Dead Two was, um, I think he he asked to rent it. And, like, my mom picked it up for us. Like, I think he'd already seen it, but he'd already seen the first one. Oh, uh, okay. And me, like, he didn't care about me. But but in terms of, like, what he what he wanted to watch that night, it's like, do I want to rent the first one or the second one? Like, of course the second one. Well, Why the fuck wouldn't I rent the second one? Well, the tone completely changes from the first one to the second one, and even more so the second to the third. Oh, yeah. Army they, of Darkness is it's, Looney Tunes. It's just Looney Tunes. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and there's really not a lot of, I don't I can't remember any like comedic moments in the first one. Um, it it comes it comes at you from a funny angle where mm. I, it has that like I'm not sure if that was meant to be funny but to me it's funny. <laughs> in the second one you're like okay Bruce Campbell is not a great serious actor. I haven't seen him try to be anything serious. He's too funny. Like he's just one of those. He's, he can't like, help it. Like we were saying, like uh, Keegan, uh, Keegan Michael Key. Like he's if he's in a movie, like he's gonna be funny because he's a comedic actor. He just is funny. Well, there's just certain people that's it's in their bones. Where it's just yeah. the way they move. Like Bruce Campbell, his it's there's a lot of shots in any movie that Bruce Campbell's in, yeah. but this one in particular where. Sam Raimi puts the camera right up into his face mm-hmm. and puts the light right under it, and it, his face has just beautiful lines to it, and his his eyes are always on the move. His eyebrows, he has a unibrow on this one. Oh, I was going to say, that was one of the notes I had. Was like, <laughs> and, and he's got a unibrow. Yeah, he has that like Billy Zane style of acting where like half of it's in the eyebrows and the other half's in the eyeballs. Yeah. But, and then he's got that chin, and it reminds me of like making short videos with my friend. Because mm. to me, he just has a funny face. He does. And I just really love putting the camera as close to it as possible, well, just because every little twitch just does something for me. Well, he's a, he's a good-looking dude, but yes, he's still very... He just has a funny face. Like, yeah, it's very animated, and it looks like hyper-real. Like well, it's it, He's like a li- living caricature. Like, I was watching... Uh, um, I was not watching uh, my... The housemate was watching uh, Spider-Man 3, and he had never seen it before. I'm like, it's not a good movie. He was like, hey, you know, I just want to watch it. I'm like, okay, cool. And I left him alone, then I came out right when uh, Bruce Campbell was doing his... his French, his yeah. French thing. Bigger. And it's so funny. It, it's, it's still really funny. Let me funny. put it this way. It's like, it's not a very good movie. No. It's not very memorable, and yet I remember almost all of his lines. Yes. I yes. remember that he calls him Becker. 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 He's like, oh no, Peter. Becker. That's what I said. Becker. <laughs> and then you you said the, yeah, the fist pump really got my you. Life. <laughs> yeah, he gives him the ring and he just like with, without words he just like clenches his fist and like he does draws like it tight to face, himself. Yeah, because he's just he's face acting. He's just doing the facial expression. Like, oh, my so life, Monsieur. I have an idea actually. We we haven't done this with a movie. Um, let's instead of taking it by the plot, let's kind of compare uh, set. Lighting, makeup effects, uh, yeah, and just key moments. Yeah, key key things because, yeah. the, like you said, the the plot is not deep here. Oh people. yeah, it's, the plot, the script, it both takes a backseat in both of these films. I will note that I do, I do kind of like uh, how they went about it in Evil Dead 2013. That mm-hmm. gives them a, a a different reason other than just the teens in the cabin getting oh, drunk. Yeah, drunk. I know what you're talking about. The uh, the uh, cold turkey. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're wanting to get her to go Intervention cold. angle. Yeah. Gotcha. And, well, this is the thing. Uh, I kind of, I thought this was kind of funny. I'm like, he's like, yeah, 
She said she'd stay good last time we did this. I'm like, wait a minute. So we're doing two cold turkeys? I'm like, after she relapses after the first cold turkey, your heroin, your your sister's a heroin addict. Like, yeah, that's... Like, not much hope. And goddamn, you guys have a lot of patience. Oh my god. <laughs> you get one. You it's get... like, that lady's a nurse. I'm pretty sure she's on call. <laughs> you get one strapped down cold turkey from me. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one. But if you relapse after that, you are on your own, man. These people are... In... That's and her sec- brother's the one that's like oh we gotta do this again <laughs> the rest of them are like yeah man she's your sister yeah, you showed up late to your sister's intervention dude but i think it, it was a uh, it was a creative way to get them back it into the really woods. was and it i mean it's funny because like both of these movies are the 2013 one in particular is like relentlessly fast-paced oh yes as soon as it gets rolling it just keeps on building and just goes nuts whereas evil dead one um, it has kind of an ebb and flow to it. Like mm-hmm. it, it starts and stops. It comes and fits and spurts. Uh, Evil Dead Two is more set to the pace of the 2013 one. But yeah, um, the pacing in in the 2013 one it's it's kind of goofy because that intervention angle you would think would set it up to allow for more breathing room because um, like all the weird happenings in the woods and stuff, it gives her character an excuse to not be believed by the other characters. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh, she's full of shit. Like, there's no demons. There's no trees trying to rape people. Yeah. Um, but it it all comes together just like bang bang, and so it's like, oh, why did we even bother with that? Yeah, just say you could, <laughs> you could have drawn it out a little bit a little bit longer, but I respect their decision to just say, no, 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 no. We have well, you uh, have all that momentum. You better keep it going. Yeah, we have a dump Especially truck. Especially when there's no plot. Like, we have a <laughs> dump truck full of fake blood that we have to get out. Soon. It's like, like this shit's gonna spoil. Like we <laughs> have like. like you know when you make a mess like it's really quick to make a mess and takes a lot longer to clean it up i think that might have been their thinking like we have a ton of fake blood and we got to get it all cleaned yeah, up yeah it's like so. all right, is the set all dressed up it's like no not quite it's like, well luigi turned on the pump it's like you better get fucking going <laughs> itching it's like that the blood it's coming it's coming into the rain pipes you better hurry the fuck up listen he is a guar roadie okay <laughs> he is a fucking fake blood professional okay <laughs> And he is on a goddamn schedule. <laughs> he is pissed, and they are about to go on tour, so we have got to go. Um, so, yeah, the the fake blood obviously is going to be better in 2013, oh, just yeah. because it's 2013. But uh, I read, uh, I mean, of course, uh, you read, did you read it all about what they used for the fake blood? No, you'll have to inform me. So it was, uh, I actually forgot, uh, but one of the weird components of it was dry coffee creamer, so it was like maybe... Corn syrup, some kind of coloring. Corn and then, syrup's like the old-fashioned go-to. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, to, to make it a little thicker and yeah. maybe for some of the uh, stop motion, which I was really... I, I was going to ask you about that, but we'll get to that because yeah. those yeah, are we'll, my favorite we'll parts of the movie. Um, yeah, the that's what they used. So coffee creamer was a little bit of something that they used in there. Give us some texture. And it would and it would cake so thick onto uh, Bruce Campbell's shirt that uh, one of his shirts, it was so thick he ripped it. It cracked. Like, oh, it cracked yeah, I can see that. Uh, but if you read the the trivia, you can just see like this was a real this was really ambitious, uh, and it and it shows. I yeah. think. No, I, I think so. Absolutely. Um, that set in particular for a, a no budget indie film, they basically built a cabin. It was an it was a real abandoned cabin. It was a real cabin. Well, the overhead lighting was very stagey. Yeah, you could uh, you could actually see some of like the uh, the open light bulbs. It's a little embarrassing at but, times because uh, it really does look like it's taking place on a stage. Um, 
because the 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 lighting is so bright. <laughs> it, 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 pretty much, yeah. It's uh, so bright and it's shooting straight down in beams. Well, let's talk about lighting. That, that's a good. That's a good segue. Okay. Um, so I actually noticed when um, Ash's sister Cheryl is possessed. Yeah. Um, you get some really neat like uh, from underneath lighting. Basically, um, you're getting the what you would in a, ha- a haunted house. That, uh, I mean, that's. That's a trick we all learn as kids. You yeah. put a flashlight under your face and it makes you look creepy. Yeah, and they get the, the lights from under yeah. there. And it, Bil- lighting from below makes you look creepy. Lighting from above makes them abs pop. I don't really think... Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know about the lighting when she's actually in the cellar, though, because it doesn't look like there's any light coming from, from the cellar. Mm. Yeah, no, there's, there's no light coming from below... Uh, there, I don't think there was enough room because her face is pretty much pressed up to the opening of it. But uh, whatever they did, lighting-wise, for those shots, I really, really enjoyed, and I kind of missed it in the 2013 one because uh, I, I just want to call her the witch in the basement uh, <laughs> or the the Baba Yaga or whatever. I mean, what Sam Raimi is what Hungarian or I believe so. Um, yeah, it it kind of has that vibe to it. Anyway. Um, I kind of missed that in the 2013 one because the the sister in the basement, uh, she's like a constant annoyance, like a constant presence throughout Evil Dead 1. Yeah. Where she's either mocking them or taunting them and even like grabbing at Ash's ankles when yeah. he's trying to deal with other deadites and stuff. Whereas in the 2013 one, the sister seems to be, she's, they cut to her. But she's rarely pushing the trap door up, and we rarely see her in the same room as the, as the rest of the chaos unfolding. She's less of an active presence. So we cut to her, like, huddled underneath the trap door. And it just, for some reason, it didn't work as well for me. Well, and... Uh... Also, you know, there's the arc that she's going to become a more sympathetic character at some point. Whereas in the, in the original Evil Dead... There's no redemption arc for pretty much anyone. Well, the difference is in the in the eighty one version, Raimi uses uh, camera, different camera um, tricks and angles to yeah. simulate that something is coming to possess or is coming into the to the cabinet, and they do that a little bit here. But the, it seems as though the demon is actually uh, passed on through blood. Um, yeah, um, it's very vague in both films Mm -hmm. but um the first one definitely well all the evil deads basically well the first two anyway sam raimi's have constant cutbacks to some looming presence in the woods that i don't think we ever see unless it was like the tree monster at the end of the second one so i mean it might be (laughs) i forgot about the tree monster (laughs) yeah at the very end um but uh 2013 they have those shots but i don't think we're ever really shown if there is even a thing or if it's just i don't know supposed to be just some implied presence or something it's a presence uh from the book but you actually do see the possessed version of homegirl uh a couple of times like kind of blair witching a little bit like yeah yeah like um i i interpreted that as the girl from the prologue oh okay a lingering spirit or something yeah that seems to come back at the end of the film but those uh trademark like rushing camera shots that uh, sam raimi uses i mean he uses that those snap zooms that's yeah. like his thing he uses them even in the spider-man movies it's, it's delightful to see those in like ultra high budget like glossy yeah. like hollywood pictures i'd have to ch- i'd have to rewatch those movies because i don't i can't oh I j- can't. just pay attention look for snap zooms it's d- delightful is the word that comes gotcha. to mind but some of those exterior shots are very ambitious where they used like 
many different lighting setups for each room of the cabin when mm. when the camera's like snooping around on the outside of the cabin well and, they, like peering inside well one they have a fire well, in the original one they have a fireplace yeah. li- lighting up one for the most part ash and his girlfriend and then the next one there i believe there's a red light in, yeah uh, they have the the porn lighting yeah the like we have fried chicken, like yeah. <laughs> like neon lighting. <laughs> and then I think when um, Daphne and Fred are about to hook up, that's just that's Daphne, just and, Fred. Daphne and Fred are gonna hook up. Yeah, we get some side boob in there. We get a little side boob. And um, then uh, the girl, I think she's drawing by herself. Yeah, that's the sister Cheryl. She's yeah. in a robe. I, I would not be taking my clothes off in that fucking thing. Are you kidding me? Well, she goes outside too. Yeah, that does not happen. And in horror movies. one thing I really noticed in in that movie in particular is, dang, people got they got hearing problems because there's a lot of screaming that nobody seems to have the time for. What was that? <laughs> Nothing. Uh, <laughs> Nothing. I was just playing this shitty card game with my lady friend. Uh, I actually really liked the use of lighting for when. 2013 homegirls down in the uh, basement and she tricks the one like she's sitting down at the bottom oh, of the cellar yeah. and she's like oh you gotta come down here and she comes down there and pow, it, it shuts and she's creeping up mm-hmm. as she's on the stairs and you just you're just seeing a little bit of light coming through the uh the, the floor basically i i thought that was really good in general evil dead 2013 is a very handsome film like the some of the some of the stuff they did earlier in the movie I really appreciated where we don't actually get to night proper until more than a half hour into the film mm-hmm. whereas the first one the original one is mostly mostly at night, mostly at night yeah. and probably just easier to light and easier to do continuity with but 2013 they a lot of it takes place at like twilight and stuff and mm-hmm. there's a haze in the air that just looks really great it looks very swamp or marshlandish yeah. and it kind of translates to almost every set in the movie like even when they first enter the cabin there's like this mist in the air mm-hmm. that looks muggy and just stinky and awful whereas the original evil dead you can tell they were trying to do that like they have that fog they, machine. they have that fog they machine have that on. fog machine on blast. dry ice like, fog whatever they probably wore that fucker out like every night it broke it broke several times they had a fog <laughs> machine person I'm sure they had to like do like last minute runs back to town to repair that shit. I did have a, uh, something that I caught this last time I watched uh, the Evil Dead is they they play the tape recorder, um, and that summons the evil spirits basically. Yes, because the guy is uh, reciting the um, incantation. I guess is what you yeah. call it. Something like that. Gundahar. Um, uh, is that from like Lovecraft fiction or something? Uh, the Necronomicon. Well, I mean, I know the Necronomicon is, but yeah. like the like the various name drops he does to I do mean, the he, incantation uh it's very possible i haven't read the no- necro- necronomicon because i know necronomicon like is lifted directly from you know the lovecraftian i believe mythos. i believe there's i think that's just what they call like the whole all of his books basically they call it the necronomicon because it's just uh his whole all of his stuff basically uh but yeah he does make up a lot of uh a lot of names uh, I don't know for sure if it has anything to do with him or if that's Lovecraftian in some way. Um, I can't, couldn't really tell you. No, whatever. Um, but I was thinking about... you remember when Judas Priest were in trouble? I don't know if you ever saw like the news clips when that kid, I think, killed himself and or he killed somebody. Oh. And it was because of Judas Priest. And then they were... Uh, they were sued because they, they were saying, that, oh, you have subliminal messages in your... Uh, in your um, 
music. I know, and I know I, that was a big thing with like the heavy metal bands at yeah. one point. And I was wondering if, if this was kind of a play on that. I don't know. Uh, it could have been. I mean, late 70s seems like kind of the right era for it. I mean, that was just getting off the ground right then as far as I know. Alice Cooper was probably pretty popular at the time. Well, yeah, and like Ozzy Osbourne, like yeah. Black Sabbath and stuff. They were they were kicking around. Like if not if this was if this was kind of like a oh, like I mean, everybody of, knows the story of playing the record yeah. backwards. It's it's basically a take on that. That's what I thought. Um, um but it's also a very creative way to get the movie going. Yeah, cuz it makes it so we can have these weird incantations and it gives our characters an excuse to read them without being able to read them exactly because if it's in a funky language of course there's not going to be any real reason for them to be able to to decipher that whereas in the 2013 one we get a guy who's apparently into this occult shit that fucking nerd uh he was he's the hardest nerd to kill in a movie dude (laughs) that guy can take a hit he gets stabbed in the uh i don't yeah that that he's like will ferrell and austin powers (laughs) just (laughs) like i'm not i'm I'm not very badly actually i'm I'm not dead just (laughs) Very badly burned. <laughs> I like I liked how Ash's girlfriend becomes the spirit's hype man. Like she's not threatening; she's just doing the. <laughs> yeah, it the the playful tone is definitely there. It's mm-hmm. it's a little creepy. Yeah, because I mean, it is a loved one who's not behaving as they normally do and is just kind of mocking you. Oh, I had a legit jump scare on this one rewatching really? it. Yeah, <laughs> Evil Dead eighty one. I got really? the timestamp. Uh, oh wow, fifty six oh nine. I had a legit uh, jump scare. I was oh fuck, like I, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> um, makeup effects. Let's let's talk about the makeup effects. Okay, let's talk about makeup. Because the only thing after that really we'd have is a stop motion and maybe the ending. Um, how the two end. Um, so makeup effects. What did you think of eighty one seeing it? Um. <laughs> It wasn't bad. Um, the contact lenses in particular were very effective because mm-hmm. they have like that pink haze at the rim of them, so it's not pure white. Um, and it it gives it that otherworldly feel that's disturbing. And I'm not sure if it was the actual molding of the lenses, but it makes their eyes appear like bulging, mm-hmm. kind of like a, a corpse does. Um, wildly inconsistent makeup, unfortunately. Yes. Um, it's inconsistent in the sense that some effects work better than others but also continuity um from shot to shot like well, you'll you'll drive yourself nuts looking at the dirt on ash's face oh yeah you can't he, he has this like little mickey mouse dot on his nose that she's it just keeps disappearing and coming back and then uh like his girlfriend's makeup is like, not good it, his girlfriend's it's, it's not good right. um you can actually like and somewhat um, Ted Raimi's makeup. It, you can actually like see the seams where well, where the prosthetics are applied and where the makeup attaches to the prosthetics. This was supposed to be seen on grainy VHS. True. Um, it was probably really good at the time. No, it's none of it's like glaringly bad. No. Um, except for like one shot. There's or, a couple. Of there's shots a handful of good. shots. The worst one I noticed was uh, when Ash's sister is first being put into the trap door. And uh, Scott, um, not Ash, the mm-hmm. the more ballsy of the two at the time. Yeah, um, he's hitting her with the butt of the shotgun, and the close-ups that they use are of it looks like a not like a a half-scale rubber mask with a fright wig held on a broomstick. <laughs> <laughs> it's very clearly not a human head, but they show it clear as day right in the center of the frame, and 
what's funny is we keep cutting from that to a shot from her perspective of the shotgun butt coming into the camera. Mm. You didn't need to show it. <laughs> but I think that's actually a major theme of the Evil Dead series um, on, on the whole. Mm. Is uh, Sam Raimi's style of horror, if you even want to call it that. Because I don't think his intention is ever to really scare people. I no. think it's more to entertain. Well, um, I think Evil Dead 1 was supposed to be scary. I think it was supposed to be a legit horror movie. Fair, but um, his style seems to favor um, excess and just explicit explicit imagery. Mm-hmm. So the things that you would normally cut away from, the things that you would normally uh, scale back, mm-hmm. he does in excess. So, for instance, dismembering a corpse. Mm-hmm. That's something that you can very easily, in a more tasteful film, uh, demonstrate with shadow and sound effects. Yeah. You can just show the silhouette of the axe coming down and show people going, <gasps> yeah, and then maybe show a shot of the aftermath. In this movie, though, we get to see like all the nitty gritty, and it carries on throughout the entire film, where all these, all these violent things happen, and we get it put right in the center of the frame, and they don't, then they hold on it for way longer. And even the editing style is just like, nope, we're not cutting, we're not cutting, we're not like, you know how fucking cold it was in this cabin, we're not cutting. The most, the most explicit example of this is. <laughs> And this was so fucking stupid. <laughs> like, it made me laugh so hard. And I don't know if I was intended to. It was uh, when when the girl, not not the sister, um, the, Scott's girlfriend. Okay, yeah. Um, when they're, when they're After she gets pulled out of the fireplace and stuff, they have that ritual knife. Mm-hmm. She gets impaled on the knife. And she just rears back with this shriek for a solid 80, 90 seconds. It and, might have been. And they just keep cutting between her going, Wah! And Bruce Campbell, like, fiddling with an axe, like, should I do something? There, that I is, should do something. That should is, I do something? I do know exactly which, which scene you're talking about. <laughs> yes. Goes, it goes, like, it nice. goes on for a while. And I think it was supposed, I think that was supposed to be funny. It goes so long. And I think, I think maybe, like, The Evil Dead 2, I think that was the movie he was trying to make. I think so. Because, uh, I mean, even the construction of the plot, you can tell that, there were ideas that he couldn't execute. I think that, I think that maybe like he wanted to make a funny movie and it was coming out a little bit in in pieces. But I think they were still more focused on making a scary movie in the well, first one. I mean, that's that's what you do if you're an aspiring filmmaker. Is the horror movies sell? Mm. If you make a horror comedy, that's a that's a weird subgenre that not everybody's down for. Clearly, you in particular, all about it, but like the Walmart people, I'm not so sure if everybody would get it. You know? Well, I don't think Walmart people watch Evil Dead One. Just saying. Yeah, they probably jump ahead. But... Yeah, um, <laughs> but no, I was I was reading that uh, the the horror film, uh, an introduction. Yeah. Uh, the guy mentions that uh, a lot of horror movies include horror, at least this became a thing, horror, uh, nudity, and then comedy, and those are supposed to like. You need a little bit of comedy to kind of like, oh, I gotta relax a little bit before I get into this next scary part. Predatory has none of it. <laughs> Predatory is heavy the whole way through, and it's awesome. Well, yeah, that's the traditional rhythm is it's tension and release. Yeah, that's that's how you create a rhythm that favors storytelling and audience engagement. And I think this was. But uh, if you're if you're just like clenched in your seat the whole time, that's not pleasurable for a lot of people. That's that's painful and terrifying. And in Sam Raimi would know this going into making a horror film, and you can only convince your friends, your actor friends, to do so much nudity in a movie. You're like, 
this isn't Friday the 13th. Like, you're yeah. not getting nearly softcore porn. Well, I think a lot of it just has to do with his personal sensibilities. Because you can tell that he's a goofy guy. Oh, there... I, I'm so... Like, in, in across all of his movies, there's a playfulness that it's just there. I would like to hang out with the Raimis and... Uh, and Bruce Campbell, but I feel like it would just be like dads just jabbing at you, like, ah, they're losing some hair up there, bucko. Ah, oh, yeah. You're kind of short, huh? <laughs> just like, just jabbing just relentless. on it. And I'm just loving it. Oh, yeah, you guys. Are, and then, yeah. like, by hour two, it's just like, fucking hate you, Bruce Campbell. I think they'd be, I think they'd be a lot of fun, but yeah, they would, they're, they're definitely gonna, there's gonna be some jokes at your expense. I feel like Bruce Campbell would be the jock. Yo, he'd, yeah. he'd be swinging dick the entire time. And uh, Ted Raimi would be the guy that gets blasted like an yeah. hour in. He'd get super drunk and just be. Sam would have to take care of his butt. Take care of his Sa- brother. Sam would be the one. I mean, Sam Raimi is notorious, well, infamous or famous. Oh. <laughs> I, get, I don't know how you'd phrase this, but he's known to show up on set in a suit all the time. Mm, gotcha. So he has, he has an air of professionalism about him, even though he has goofy sensibilities. He's there to work. See, I think he'd be the dick, and I think that Bruce Campbell would just be like, eh, let's, let's lay off him for a little bit. Get yeah, Br- Bruce would be the guy that's like, come on, let's have some shots. I can't, I can't stress enough. <laughs> nah. You should really watch Ash vs. the Evil Dead, because it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's your fault it's off the air. All of you, all, <laughs> all of you, you out there listening. Watching it. All of you people, you uh, didn't watch it. Evil Dead 2013, we've kind of went off a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I mean, on we it. went off on a tangent there talking about the comedy stylings yeah. of Sam Raimi. <laughs> um, there is little to no comedy uh, yeah. in 2013s. Yeah, we should mention it was directed by uh, Fede Alvarez um, from Uruguay. Yes. Uh, the only other movie, we, we actually looked him up prior to recording this. The only other movie he's done, at least as a feature film, was uh, Don't Breathe. Yeah. Uh, was that Stephen Lang? Uh, Home invasion slash slasher movie. I don't. It's the buff dude from Avatar. Stephen Lang. Okay, and um, Bug Eyes from uh, this movie, main oh, girl. Uh, okay, she She's was that. she was someone uh, Landy something or other. I guess she was a last minute replacement in in Evil Dead. I was kind of surprised to read that because she was cast perfectly. She's that's that's great. Glad you brought that up. Um, I do think she was from the first season of Shameless, and then she was re. I think she was recast the next season. You know who she reminds me of? Who? And this is not accurate, but it's just what popped into my head when I saw like the trailers for this movie. Vicky Valancourt. She does. She has Vicky Valancourt's she eyes. She got Vicky Valancourt eyes, and she has that like. I've got some miles on me way about her where it's like I don't think this is all acting like I think she's channeling like repressed <laughs> memories or something uh, I think she's just a good actress because she's playing uh, in Shameless she's kind of a trashy uh, her dad's a piece of shit her brothers are all uh, just drinking thugs basically uh, and that's just the it, it's, she's surrounded by these gross dudes her whole life and she's just kind of rough around sweet girl in that uh, but she's got the kind of eyes that uh Tim Burton would go nuts for, but just film people in general go nuts for because lighting those is just like a, it's like wow, look at what we can accomplish just by putting some eye light on this gal. Yeah, she has like the perfect like the way her eyes are shaped. Yeah, she's perfect for this. Uh, actually, the contact lenses you were referring to in '81 uh, were actually crazy painful to wear. They looked it. I actually was gonna go as the Nightman from uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. If you don't remember, Mac gets into a gi, uh, a black gi, the um, karate, yeah, karate thing. Uh, and, he, and he wears like cat lenses, cat cat eye lenses, and he gets. It's really funny. Uh, Charlie's uh, the Nightman cometh. Uh, 
But I put in the con- one of the contact lenses, and it is unbearable. Like, I couldn't do it. Like, I put one of them in, and it... I can't describe it. It's, I guess, like having saran wrap on your eye. Like, it's it's really painful. Like, you can't blink. Like, it, it's it's awful. Well, I mean, that was definitely a consistent theme in Evil Dead 81. Um, damn. Like, these are good friends. Mm-hmm. They took some bumps. They were, uh, I think a lot of the crew, I think there was like 13 members of the crew were uh, just living in that cabin while they were there. And it, this was they like... They were cold. This was in Tennessee in the in the wintertime, I'm assuming, or late fall, early It winter. looked cold. It looked it's miserable cold. whenever cold. they were outside. They and, would not have been able to do that in Michigan. And then you can tell pretty much all the bumps and bruises they took on the set like when the cameras were rolling were done by the actors oh, I think like Bruce, Bruce Campbell, Campbell went through a lot of furniture he twisted I think he twisted an ankle and then I think Sam Raimi and another guy were teasing him <laughs> calling him a pussy Sa- sounds about right <laughs> like, I love it yeah Sam think you're big man on campus wait till I heal up <laughs> nerd uh, um, yeah the tone is pretty dark in the 2013 version yeah they play it very straight although there are some goofy moments um, they do like we said earlier, they do pay homage to the the racing, like lunging camera in the woods. They do it really quick though, and I like that. They don't they do... don't play it to excess like they did, like Sam Raimi would do. <laughs> um, well, they also have different like the equipment's better. That's what makes that first that eighty one so good. Is like how's he doing this? Like at one point when he's going across the water, the opening shot when he's going across water, he's just in a boat and he's being pushed by somebody. I think it was Bruce Campbell was just pushing him in a boat. <laughs> Seriously, no. Um, Part of the charm of that Evil Dead 81 is it has that uh, dead alive, like Peter Jackson yeah. kind of feel. Like, I really, I kind of adore those kinds of movies. I call them every trick in the book movies, mm-hmm. where it's like it's a low budget film, but we're going to use the tools at our disposal and we're going to do every crazy camera setup we can. We're going to go the extra mile and do stop motion, even though we probably don't actually have to, but just because we want to. I think that Sam Raimi has. Uh... I think he has a crush on stop motion because it, it shows up in all three of these movies. Well, I mean, Army of Darkness has like some like explicit nods to like Ray Harryhausen in the form of like the stop motion skeletons, and these are movies that he probably grew up with yeah. watching on television or in the theater, and these are all films that you know he probably wanted to pay tribute to. And now that he has the tools and the budget to do it, it's like fuck, let's do it. <laughs> if I ever meet him, I'm gonna ask him if he's seen uh, V spirit of evil yeah i mean um so there's this movie called um v v v i v i y v i y we don't know the pronunciation because we don't speak russian no um what year did it come out 1967 from soviet russia yes uh, kyle stumbled across this little gem uh it's a soviet russian like supernatural fantasy horror uh, it's there's a i think it's a russian author he has some fantasy some fantasy novels uh, he has a couple of film adaptations uh there's another one i think it's got some stop motion as well um but you can you can definitely it's i'm gonna say it is a good movie but it's not a very watchable movie yeah the this problem. thing was hard to track down the only the only like actual release I could find was a Japanese Blu-ray, mm. which Kyle, I don't even know if he has a Blu-ray player, and it certainly isn't. Um, it doesn't have English subtitles because it's a Japanese Blu-ray, and Japanese Blu-ray distributors are fucking assholes. <laughs> um, so I ended up getting him off of eBay like a bootleg DVD. Pretty much, yeah. Because <laughs> like he. No, he didn't. (laughs) (laughs) You need to. You need to understand. Like Kyle stumbled across this. He showed me like a trailer. He he found for it, and it was like I need to see this. I need to see it, especially since from the trailers it seemed like 
you know, Sam Raimi seems to borrow a lot of tricks from this. Yeah. And I would be curious to know if he's heard of this. If I ever ever to bump into him, I just would ask him, have you seen Spirit of Evil? <laughs> just real quick. Or if I ever bump into anybody that knows him, like, hey, Bruce, can you ask him if he's seen Spirit of Evil? He's like, fuck no. Get away from me, kid. Yeah, Go away. You bother me. <laughs> <laughs> can I touch your chin? No. <laughs> um, I mean, yes. Hey, is that your girlfriend? (laughs) (laughs) No joke. (laughs) I think between him and David Lee Roth, who's tried to bang more people's girlfriends, David Lee Roth. Uh, (laughs) um, I did have like a a legit the like, I'll come down here so I can suck your cock, pretty boy. I'm like, that's your brother. Uh, Uh, No, uh, sis, I'm fine. Yeah, try. Little touches like that felt a little bit out of place because um. I don't know. the The tone is like savagely, like just like grim and intense throughout 2013. Except instances like that where like the deadites talk and and it's lifted from the style of of the '81 version. It almost feels like maybe they ran out of ideas and were just like, yeah, let's just pay tribute to the one that came before, as opposed to completely doing our thing. Well, I mean, the director's fairly young. I say he's probably a little, like, a few years older than us, maybe 36, 37. I mean, he's not... He's probably younger. He might be younger (laughs) than that. Um, He's definitely seen the original Evil Dead. I can't imagine a horror film director who hasn't um, seen it. As far as I know, he also wrote it, like the 2013 one. Okay. Uh, He's seen it, so you're gonna... You pick and choose your nods. Like, you're like, I'm not gonna use Sam Raimi's camera angles. I'm gonna throw one or two in here just as, like, a... Kind of keep with the story a little bit. You want to see yeah the... and i'm going to have the same number of characters in the same like gender configuration like three three yeah. girls two guys but they're not going to be the same characters or even have the same names but the i think maybe the what helps make that first one scary at the time it's not scary anymore was kind of the shit talking from the demon like like you're doomed like your the, car's busted and you're not going anywhere the audio mixing in the first one is very strong mm-hmm. uh Regardless of the budget of the film, it's just very skillfully constructed. Like mm-hmm. it's very well layered. Um, there's always a lot going on, and then there's not sometimes, and it's very effective when when it gets quiet, because it doesn't happen too often. But when it's quiet, it's it's still suspenseful and still enjoyable. But like there's some really chaotic scenes where like uh, Bruce Campbell will be grappling with two deadites at the same time, and then and then the witch in the basement is yelling at him at the same time. Yeah. It's, it's just like all this shit's happening but you can it's all coherent i was noticing there's not a lot of music in the original but what did you think of the music you did here it's very infrequent (laughs) it's cheesy yeah um it's kind of surprising actually it sounds like they got at least somewhat of a live orchestra um there's some good instrumentation but then there's these weird synth synth parts that just sound cheap they sound really chintzy Uh, it seems really out of place and it detracts from the overall feel to it a lot uh 2013 one is just like just it feels like just orchestra strings and just that a skeleton like nipping on a a violin or yeah you know what i'm talking about it's it's just a mess of noise that's it's a cacophony of just oppressive sounds (laughs) uh the composer is um joseph uh loduca for the First one? Yeah. He is... Uh, he did Xena. He did the music for Xena. Yeah. I did not know... Okay, so I this is kind of... I recognize the name, but I can't place him. Yeah, he did uh, He did Xena. So Lucy Lawless, who plays Xena, is a Kiwi. 
she is from New Zealand. I did not know that. I had no clue. I watched that. I sent that. I sent you that interview with her and uh, Bruce Campbell. Like, yeah. what the? F-? That's what Lucy Lawless. That's, like? That's what Xena sounds like. <laughs> so she is in Ash versus the Evil Dead now. Yeah. That's uh, a funny little connection. And she is married to producer Rupert Tappert. Uh, he produced the Evil Dead and Xena. And he also produces, I do believe, Ash vs. Evil Dead. So he probably called in a favor with the composer. Yeah. He's like, hey, bud, you want to stick around for the franchise? I, could you, you get to hang out with Xena? They <laughs> the best dinner parties. That's the most fun dinner party. <laughs> uh, I feel like they're, they have a great adult friendship family relationship. That's uh, what I imagine. One, one would hope. I mean, that's a lot of time spent hope. together. Uh, Ted Raimi is going to be coming up soon in Ash vs. Evil Dead. He hasn't shown up yet in the series, so I'm super excited about that. Ooh. Well, I mean, you can't have that without him. I mean, fuck. <laughs> um, I wanted to say that I, what, another thing I liked about the 2013 was they do a good job of... It, there's some very gruesome uh, gruesome gore. Like, it, there's some really gruesome oh, yeah. scenes. And they, they carry on with the theme of putting it right right in front of the camera and not cutting. <laughs> right in front of the camera. I think they do a good job of doing... Uh, like creepy imagery and creepy movements and then also gore and we're not just focusing on one or the other and I think there's a pretty pretty even balance like they're like suspenseful moments that are creepy and then we see some pretty gruesome moments and this is 2013 we're still I say we're still pretty much in the brutal we're we're just like escaping from the torture porn stuff. Like just it, out it's of it. it the, we're in the shadow of it. It's it's fading, but it's still there somewhat. And also, a lot has happened. Like horror is the probably the fastest moving genre in all of film mm. because the production cycles are very short and it's very trendy. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to remember, like, not only did this twenty thirteen Evil Dead film come out, I uh, after torture porn after after the like. We're done with vampires at this point. Yeah, we're done with vampires. Um, we're done with zombies. Zombies were, we're done hard with, We're done with 2000s. zombies. We're done with J-horror. Uh, okay, yeah. Which, you know, some of the... Comes act, up. It some comes of up the, in here. Some of the acting, yeah. like, for the monsters and stuff is somewhat reminiscent of that. So these are all potential influences for a product that is supposed to be a remake. Mm-hmm. But not it's, entirely it's kind of its own organism in a lot of ways it yes. just uses like the basic framework and because the the plot and the structure of both films is so loose and like threadbare it's very forgivable like i don't feel that 2013 evil dead shits on the first one at all no like i don't i'm not disappointed that they deviated from it because there's not much to deviate from we'll take this for instance and you also need to remember that the sequels to evil dead also happened so that leads to the tone being a little confused as well. Well, Gus Van Sant did a lot for the horror community, I think. <laughs> uh, he did a shot-for-shot remake of one of the most iconic uh, thrillers, or I think was considered horror just from the ending, I think. Uh, I'm not really entirely sure what Psycho is supposed to be. Psychological horror? Psychological maybe? horror. Uh, he remade shot-for-shot uh, uh, Alfred Hitchcock's hor- he, he uh, likes Psycho. To, he likes to pretend he did, but it's it, not quite. But. It's pretty it's almost it's pretty close uh but it was awful yeah it's absolutely terrible vince vaughn was horribly cast horribly cast but like that we've already seen it it's already influenced a few decades of horror movies and like i'm gonna redo it and like well it's not gonna be scary because we already know what to expect in this case that's exactly what this director did not do he's like i'm gonna remake it but i'm gonna make it my own well 
think of the toolkit he has. He has, yeah. Yeah, it's, I actually have a fucking toolkit. <laughs> Even if he doesn't have much of a budget, it's still a thousand times more he's than like, what they had. He's like, Sam Raimi had a literal toolkit that he yeah. had in the trunk of his car. I have an entire like studio backlot of just stuff that I can rent from the studio yeah. and give back at the end of the day. Sam Raimi has to drive this shit home every, every night. night. <laughs> every night. Um, and the missus is not happy about it. I mean... the Let's see, where was it? Uh, okay, there was a few things that from the the new Evil Dead that I had I had a couple problems with. Oh, really? Uh, not not problems, but just like things with the story. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> um, excuse me. So, whenever one of my favorite shots from that first one is when they're sitting down to dinner, um, and I think they might still be stoned. Do you know about? Do you know the story about them smoking pot? Mm-mm. So when they're uh, listening to the recording, they were supposed to be smoking weed and oh. listening to the recording, and they're like, oh, "All right, we'll just go method on this." And uh, they really smoke pot, and I guess they were uncontrollable. Like they were just. I believe know, it. Yeah. So they're sitting at the the dinner table, and Ash is trying to get a toast out of some kind. And I think when they were filming it, they might have still been baked. And I, think, I th- think so. I think they were still like laughing. That was at just weird. Yeah. Like he couldn't even get his words out. <laughs> but, the, but the shot, I believe it's his girlfriend, or it might be his sister. I can't remember. But you can see, um, you can see her face, and in the background, you uh, can see the I know cellar. What you're about. And I think it's a really good shot because she's just sitting there, and you see the cellar door just pop open. Yeah. It's one of my favorite shots of the movie. No, I it's, it was really it's a nice. It's not a jump scare, but it's a nice little effective moment where it's like, "What was that?" It's a fa- it, it's building to jump scare. It's like you got to get those little just those little things here and there to kind of get you warmed up, basically, because there's yeah. gonna be a jump scare eventually. Uh, but then they do what they do in the 2013 though is they lift up a rug because they're like something smells the awful. The dog finds it, and then there's like a blood trail yeah. going into a <laughs> cellar. I'm like. If you see a trail of blood anywhere, you get away from wherever you're at. If you if it, you have the means, get away. Yeah, Evil Evil Dead 2013 deviates very dramatically from the first one in that it starts off with a prologue. Yeah. Um. There's just a random girl in the woods. She gets attacked by some seedy-looking redneck guys. Yeah. And then we get a shot of her in a terrifying basement with dead animals strung up from the ceiling and some like carnival sideshow freaks that I, I apologize if that's just how they are but um they were cast in a very specific fashion to yes. look to look very strange um and then she goes all demon on her dad and her dad blows her head off because uh reasons yeah. um and then we cut to title and then uh we pick up exactly where the original movie starts off with our our people driving to the cabin major difference too is that uh i think the folks in the original Evil Dead uh, had hadn't been to the cabin. No. Whereas in the remake, they're uh, it's their it's, it's like their family cabin. I think their mom's dead, and I think that's what started the heroin addiction. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the the business with the basement um, turns out that the basement is the same basement from the prologue. Yeah. Um, all the, there's a whole bunch of dead animals strung up down there, and nobody seems terribly concerned about it. No. Uh, there's a th- gun with with there's a shotgun with shells and. A book made of human flesh and animals strung up from the ceiling and everybody's like yeah we can chill here <laughs> it makes sense that we have the prologue in the beginning uh because there's no reason that that would have happened unless she's like somebody kicked in the door like there was a reason why people were down there and this is their family's cabin as opposed to oh we're just going to this cabin in the woods um 
the other thing was uh, when uh, Homegirl that saws her arm off. Yeah. Um, she goes full Happy Gilmore on them with the nail gun. Uh, where did we get a compressed uh, compressed air nail gun? Oh, they actually established that. I, I thought that they might have. I missed it because I was kind of cooking while watching this one. <laughs> um, the the Ash equivalent, uh, our main character, I forget his name, uh, is like Edward or something. Uh, sure. He's like boarding up windows okay. uh, with it or the trap door. No, it was, it was like the windows, I think, with the nail gun. That, that, funny, her acting got dramatically better when she was in makeup because when she was normal human blonde girl she was just yeah. she was just like there is a weak link in this cast and it is you <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah when she does get in makeup she's doing a pretty oh, good yeah, job she does pretty well when she's in full makeup I think everybody does really well I really like the creepy girl um, uh, she's in Cloverfield she's the the brother's girlfriend in Cloverfield uh, the 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 um... yeah. The nurse, the nurse. Oh, the fine nurse. Yeah, the fine nurse. Oof. Yeah, Oof. Uh, where she's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's on her um, cheek off, which is pretty good. Yeah, it was. It was kind of sad to see her go so yeah. early, especially because her her scene in the bathroom with her. I think it's her boyfriend. The no, the the scholar, the, the scholar guy. The, the nerds her boyfriend. They came in the same car, <laughs> and she like has a couple of asides with him. She can do better. She's, she's like, quit reading that book, nerd. Okay. <laughs> Um, anyway, good job. But their their little her attack scene in the bathroom with him is great. is probably one of the highlights of the whole movie. I think it's really good. Um, her peeing her pants was a little awkward. I thought that was <laughs> I thought that was good. I I, I like that, that good. touch. I, I really liked um, when she stopped in her tracks. That was a very yeah. subtle effect. That um, I don't know if it was purely good acting on her part or if they like put something up there for her to bump into. But like the way her her feet planted, it was very effective. The, the, and I think that highlights what makes this movie really good is that this is a remake that makes the like it, it does what I think Sam Raimi was kind of going for. It makes it scary, at least in this generation. Yeah, I mean the character I'm describing is present in his film mm-hmm. and does attack our our dudes, mm-hmm. our pair of dudes, except it's in the living room and uh, she gets impaled with a ritual knife and screams for ninety seconds instead of. Uh, gets her ha- her head bashed in with a toilet seat cover. <laughs> well, maybe maybe we've stumbled on why uh, the remakes of like Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Friday the 13th, the reason why those slasher remakes aren't that good is because it's not it's hard to make the like those slasher movies good. Like we had mentioned recently The Strangers, like that's an awesome slasher. That is a very effective film. Very good. But if you try to remake just Freddy Krueger like there wasn't a lot really going on with it except for like Robert England's energy as the character. Yeah, and if you remove him from the equation, what do you have? You, you don't... have jerk Jackie Earl Haley with with pug face, and oh yeah, he's like five foot nothing. Yeah, so he's even, even next to you know was it Nomi Rapazzi or what? No, it's a uh, the lady who plays her in uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo. I can't even think. About um, that. anyway, uh. He's a very diminutive fella. <laughs> and adding the, uh, like, confirming the pedophilia mm-hmm. really hurt that script. Yeah. Um, uh, we really knew, hurt it. We, uh, we, that's what pedophiles were. They just killed kids when, in the 80s. Like, we just, we, well, it was never explicitly stated in the old Nightmare movies. Actually, and, you could just get away with it back then, I think. You could just, like, yeah. Like, yeah no, you, you absolutely could. That was a Louis C.K. bit. He's like, we just had a pedophile. Like, <laughs> he's like, it was just, it was, he had, like, a French name or something. Like, you just didn't stay at his house. You, you, <laughs> you could, didn't go to his you house. You could get away with it, but moreover like the one of the biggest blunders in that nightmare on elm street remake and it's just a garbage film in yeah. most ways even the effects work is it's terrible. not good um 
is the fact that they like tied the main characters in with him personally mm-hmm. and it's like oh he he did something to me when i was a child it's like Eesh. i don't need that in my don't need slasher that. movie like yeah. jesus no um, thank you but another thing with the horror genre is like i said it moves so fast mm-hmm. and when you think of slasher movies what halloween was the first one mm. like not 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 the first one i mean psycho i guess could be that too but the first one to hit like mainstream success and create the template on which all the others are built from. I think that it built the eighties template. I think that and it was it's like, like 1978. And it's great. Like it's really good. But it's also But um, think how many years have passed since then. Yeah. And think of what happened in the nineties. We got Scream. We got I hate Scream, I'm sorry. Well, Scream is what happens when a, when these tropes exist long enough is you you get people bored of that but still obsessed with it mm-hmm. like diehard fans of it and they turn to subversion for their entertainment or it's like let's trick the audience into thinking that oh this is going to be one of those movies and then do something else yeah. instead let's let's show them the left and give them the right and i think we're kind of in the midst of that kind of stuff right now too where it's like we're we're getting this wave of horror movies that are made by immensely talented people that are legit trying to make scary movies as opposed to making trash that is just meant to make a studio money or you know be a sequel to something i really need you to watch hereditary Um, i I need to see it it's if you're listening to this watch hereditary if you like scary movies it's i think one of the best horror movies right now like just within probably the last 10 years i'd say it's one of the best yeah no past few years have been really big for horror movies like the witch like a couple I years ago was witch. excellent i like it i like uh hereditary better than the witch like the conjuring insidious i like insidious too uh paranormal activity uh when i first watched it kind of got me now it doesn't it i can see that it was really it was a fun movie it was it was pretty effective at the time um mm. but yeah hereditary get on it <laughs> get on it and do not you need to make sure you have something funny to watch after that because it's got a lot uh, <laughs> I was going to ask you, like, where do you think it's going right now, but you don't know because you haven't seen Hereditary, so I'll just save that Um, for a different day. Like I said, horror movies tend to be very trendy. They come in waves. Um, However, that one might be an exception because it's such a unique film from what I understand. House of the Devil is uh, on par with it. It's not on par. I'm sorry. It's very similar Mm. in the content. Like, they have a similar story. Not entirely the same, but there's... Watch the two. You'll get what I'm saying. Hmm. Um, but House of the Devil is really good as well. 2009-ish. Oh. Um, Tom Noonan. Hey, my boy. Right? Um, okay, so we've we pretty much covered like the effects, the story, everything. Um, I want to get into the um, stop motion if you're ready for that at all. Yeah, we may as well talk like just straight up effects. And oh, stuff. sorry. I had one other problem. Uh, <laughs> so at the end of uh, Evil Dead 2013, he goes to take a picture of the four of them together. Why the fuck would you want to take a picture to commemorate, like, to, to remember what just happened in this cabin? He's like, oh, here's the four of us. Like, you watched Homegirl cut her own mouth open. Uh, your nerd is dead. Like, why would you want to take a picture? It, I mean, he dies short, or he gets stabbed in the neck shortly after that. Yeah. So it's neither here nor there. Um, well, in on the whole, I mean, the movie actually makes a sincere attempt to, like, have emotional resonance whereas mm. the first one does not no 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 no, no, no. Um, so the stop motion uh, I do remember I think this is the second one that has the skeleton chasing him uh, I think it's 
Evil Dead 2. Is that the one? I think Army of Darkness has that too. Army of Darkness definitely has, has a lot something. of skeletons. Yeah. <laughs> but the second one's where Sam Raimi takes it for a walk. Like he yeah. he does he oh, spends yeah. a lot of time on it. Um I love the decomposition stop motion in this. They put a lot of time and effort into that. A lot of it. And that's what I'm saying. Like I think that Sam Raimi has like he has a passion for it, but I I think he had a passion for it because it was he had to. Like this was how he was gonna have to get things done because I don't I don't see him doing his own like Sam Raimi presents uh, a nightmare before Christmas. Like he's not he's not producing from what I can tell or doing his own stop motion even these days. I mean I can't think no, of anything. No. I, I think he just has a a love for camera trickery. Mm-hmm. Um there's there's guys out there who are really into that kind of stuff. Like Peter Jackson and Guillermo del Toro both seem to have that in them. Where it's Peter Jackson, you need, definitely. You need to think of what it means to be a film director. It's like you I have no idea what it means. No, but part part of it is being a showman in some ways. Like I notice a lot of my friends that are creative types, they they're mostly subdued personalities, but they use their art to be an exhibitionist. Mm-hmm. So they're mostly quiet when you talk to them, but when it comes to like presenting products. Like that's where they come alive, and that's where you can see how they actually are, and that's how they get their their win, I guess. Mm. And I think it was like Quentin Tarantino had the the belief that like all of film is magic; it's an illusion because technically all you're seeing on the screen is um, still images being passed through a yeah. lens at 24 frames a second. So mm. technically, you're not even seeing motion; that's you're true. just seeing a slideshow. You're seeing individual images yeah. moving quickly. Um, which is an f- interesting concept yeah. and it brings to mind like a magician a stage magician or something and guys like Christopher Nolan um, he has like an immense pride in uh, doing as many effects work as much effect shots as he can uh, in camera and not only that that motherfucker has the worst uh, supplements on his DVDs you'll ever see <laughs> he's not showing you shit. he doesn't show you anything because he has this belief that it's it's magic we can't talk about that. Well, he did the Prestige. Have you seen the Prestige? Exactly. Yeah. So this is what I'm getting at. Is I I get this kind of vibe from some film directors, and I feel like Sam Raimi just has a love for just camera trickery in general, like putting the camera in interesting places, tilting it at interesting angles, lighting things in interesting ways. And then Spider-Man Three happened. Oh. Well, that a lot of that movie was <laughs> studio interference. Uh huh. Um, but a lot of the effects work in that movie was very ambitious for its time. Um, I'm have to. Fin- I'm gonna need to go back and watch Darkman now that now that we've it's come up. I think I'm gonna have to go back. I and enjoy Darkman. I like Darkman. I liked it up until the carnival. I'm like, okay. And there's even stop motion in Darkman. Yeah, see, I'm a, that's why I want to go back. I want to go back and check and it out. And there's some like really shitty rear projection shots when they're fighting on the skyscraper. And but yeah, there's stop motion in the form of his skeletal hands uh, typing on a keyboard. Oh, really? It's just a simple shot of like these malformed hands that are so skeletal that it couldn't possibly be actual human hands awesome. because because they're too thin, you know? Um, I was, Unless it was like Doug Jones's hands or something. <laughs> um, I just wanted to mention real quick, uh, because I finally watched it, The Evil Within. Oh. I didn't watch it. Um, I, what I did was is I looked for the stop motion scenes that I wanted to watch. That's because right. Because it was on Prime. I'm like, I'm not paying for this. Because <laughs> um, the story, I, I watched the trailer. I'm like, I don't like this story. I don't like this actor. He's supposed to be playing somebody who's uh, mentally challenged. Um, yeah. And I'm like, I'm, yeah. Kyle showed me the trailer for this. He stumbled across it. Um, it has the the fellow from the Hills Have the Eyes. The original Hills Hills Have Eyes. Yeah. Um, I forget his name, but he has an unusual. Uh, 
skin and cranial condition that makes him have an interesting look. Part of his poster from part of his face. The Hills, the Hills Have, have Eyes, Eyes. poster yeah. is in the basement of the first Evil Dead. There's a story behind that, but I can't I can't recall it um, verbatim. So you'd have, we'll have no, to look it up later. It's just paying tribute to what came before. I think it was, it was that a seventies horror film. In the Hills Have Eyes, they have uh, a movie poster of uh, another horror movie that came before that, and the, they did it because they wanted to be scarier than that movie. And there's, there's a long tradition of doing that, and I I kind of like stuff like that. Yeah, it's nice. It's uh, a, it horror is its own little community. But there are two. I think there's two good stop motion sequences in the Evil Within, and the one I, the one I showed you is in the trailer. Yeah. But if you want if if you get a sec, do watch it because it is really, really good. I really okay. like it. If you it. give me the time code or something, it, yeah, I'm just, not watching the whole fucking no, movie. No, nobody, like shit. nobody watched that whole movie, but watch the uh, stop motion. Um, I thought that was really good. Uh, but the ending to 2000, I mean, then, we, should, we should talk about the ending of both because I think okay. it's worth going over because they're va- they're very different. They're vast, they they yeah, diverge so greatly. I think that. Well, go ahead. You tell me what what you thought of the ending of 81. Um. It probably my favorite part of the whole movie. Um, as soon as Ash is alone, it turns into the gate, mm-hmm. which, as we've both said, is a movie. You know, little Brad Dourif fighting the forces of evil. Brad Dourif, uh, uh, Stephen. Dwarf. No, Stephen Dorf. Yeah, Stephen Dorf. Little <laughs> Stephen Dorf. Little uh, little Frost. <laughs> yeah, that little ter- Brad Brad Dourif would be a terrifying child. I, mean, I don't want to see what I don't that looks see that like. Look, yeah. no. Stephen Dorf. Uh, little Steven Dorff fighting the forces of evil and part of the charm of that movie for me anyway is uh, seeing this little boy have all of his security stripped away from him like his best friend gets abducted by these monsters and then shows up to mock him later uh, his sister I think gets jacked or at least the babysitter or something there's a girl in there the dog's killed I think the dog's killed uh, his parents show up in like demon form and he yeah. thinks he's safe and then it turns out he's not yeah and it puts you in that child child's mind where it's like, oh shit, like all the things that I could run to when I was in trouble are now gone. It's just me and this big scary stop motion monster. Mm-hmm. Um, Evil Dead 81 kind of has that vibe to me where it's like all of his friends have turned on him and like become these horrible monsters. And then suddenly the movie for once gets quiet and we get all these like really, really skillfully sh- like shot and lit in particular scenes of him like dashing around the house trying to put shit together like trying to figure out a plan because yeah. there is no plan no um we get a really nice scene where he uh he actually like mutters to himself about like getting bullets for the gun like he's like oh where'd i put those shells mm. and he actually goes down to the basement and stuff and it, it has that like into the abyss kind of feel to it where it's i i like that kind of filmmaking like i've always wanted to make like a short film where all it is is just a person trapped with like a monster in the room and it's just you and them and figure it out yeah figure it out (laughs) and it has that kind of feel and then they mess with like the psychology of the character too where they have that cheap but effective shot of him putting his hand into the mirror Mm. and just he's like stripped down to nothing and he somehow manages to persevere and then we get the twist ending but i just like the quieter moments and like all those fun close-ups of his face like just being terrified and not knowing what to do Mm mm-hmm I, I think I like that stuff more than like the the goofy like attack sequences because unfortunately I've already seen Evil Dead Two and Army of Darkness so yeah. I know what those you know scenes can happen, be yeah. I know those scenes can be done better <laughs> so like the just seeing the cheap shots of like running around in the house with the camera and putting the lights in exactly the right place and 
letting Bruce Campbell's face go nuts was just more fun to me, I think. Gotcha. Um, I was going to say, I I like the ending of... Uh, it, the very last shot we see is just the yeah. him going to the, his face. The presence in the woods bashes through the cabin and then like goes straight into his face and then we get cheesy, like corny music to remind you that you were supposed to enjoy this it wasn't supposed to terrify you no well that's that's a that's a good horror movie ending where you're like did he make it or not like you, you absolutely not absolutely not <laughs> um, if you but, ask me anyway. but i think that's the only way you should you should be able to end a horror movie like that's i think that's the way to go like yeah I think the last person does not survive i think that makes it more fun um, Halloween doesn't do it, but it, that's a great movie still. Thing Thing eighty two has a wonderful cliffhanger. Great cliffhanger, maybe one of the best actually. Uh, just see what happens. Well, yeah, just to see what happens. Like these two are gonna die within an hour, uh, whether if one of them is a thing or not. But just because it's so cold out, like they're gonna die. Um, oh, I've lost my train of thought there. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, but I think it's a good way to end a horror movie. And I think that horror movies should end like that. No, I mean, I think even your your book, the, the horror film, mm. what is the title again? It's The Horror Film and Introduction. I can't yeah, think of the author. Um, you folks out there might want to give it a read. Kyle read it for a class, and then he handed it off to me to give a read. I've been wanting to say this for a while, and I just want to put it, between Trevor and I, we have about not even a, a minor in film classes yeah. under our belt. Yeah, so don't pretend that we're authorities on we, the subject. I am not going to sit here for a second, and I don't know what I'm talking about for the most part. I'm... I'm just a movie fan, and we're talking about yeah, movies. This podcast may as well be called Bullshit the this is, Podcast. <laughs> this is like a, this is like introduction to film 101. We're literally watching movies and coming to class with our notes. Like, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, no joke. I watched this movie yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> like last night. <laughs> what what we our knowledge comes from what what little classes we've had and what reading we do on our own. Exactly. Outside of class. Uh, but yeah, we, we are not film majors at all. You probably figured it out if you're a film major. <laughs> if you've been listening at all. It's a tracking shot, you dumb fucks. Like, <laughs> it's so easy to say. What are you doing? Um, yeah, even in your in your book, yeah. um, the horror film, the introduction, uh, I think they, they mentioned that like there's two ways to end a horror film. There's one with like the traditional like early days horror film where the breeding pair survives yep. and there's hope on the horizon and then the god i hate this word postmodern horror film where yeah. all is lost i love it or, or it's left ambiguous and yeah tr traditionally that seems to be the way you end a quote-unquote good horror film which is why the ending of deep blue sea is a lot of fun because <laughs> you are not expecting that ending at all like yeah. you're not expecting that to happen um the invasion of the body snatchers um both of them actually because i guess there was there were two different endings for the uh, the original. That's the seventies one. Oh, okay. Kyle just made a face at me. If you've I mean, seen if you've Donald seen the nineteen yeah. if you've seen the nineteen seventies invasion of the body snatches, you know what it looks like. Um, but I guess the original version also had like two endings shot, and there and I think they, if I remember right, the the released version of the film has the mega happy ending. I probably. But the the alternate ending, the the true ending that sticks to the script, was apparently very ambiguous and dark. You know what's interesting, and I, I think we sh this would be a good one to do an episode on, is because uh, neither one of us has seen the Vincent Price House on Haunted Hill, uh, but we've both seen the 1998-99-ish one. Yes. You know who makes it at the end of that? No. A breeding pair. That's uh, right. It is, um, I can't remember who the, the black gentleman was. Uh, he was very popular in the 90s. I can't think of his Del name. Delroy Lindo. 
No. Oh, um, damn. <laughs> Al, Ali, I think Ali Larder is the other one that makes it. So we have uh, we have um, a pair at the end that's actually interracial, which I don't know if a horror movie's ever done that before. That might I'd be interested to see because that was um, Day of the Dead. Day of the Dead. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. I just watched that. The, the Misfits make it out yeah. of that one. Yeah. Well, I just it was. Oh, I mean, they aren't a pair though. Like they're just like three people to hang out together. If you think of the time. The time in which the movie was well, made. Well, I mean, George Romero was kind of progressive. Yeah. I mean, even in the '60s, he was way ahead of the curve. Well, it's just it's, it's if you if you're a, if you're a, a horror movie director, you know what horror movie endings are supposed to be, and you would deliberately cast you put that those cast members into it. I think that was just it was an interesting choice by the uh, director. Absolutely. I, I just I just thought of that a little more. So what about the climax to Evil Dead twenty thirteen? Well, we get a little J horror with it. Uh, we're definitely getting the um, we get a little video gamey with it. It turns into a fucking boss fight. Yeah, it does. I was expecting life bars to appear on the screen. <laughs> uh, what is the name? The ring. The ring girl basically pops Sadako. up. Yeah, uh, she pops up from underneath. Uh, yeah, it's it's telegraphed, but not explicitly. Like, well, kind of. Um, so our uh, scholar fella, uh, the Scott equivalent, the unkillable nerd, mm-hmm. um, he's fiddling with the Necronomicon throughout the entire movie, and he's the one that's pushing this idea that every bad thing that's happening right now is because of this book. And mm-hmm. they put a little cute Easter egg in there where he tries to burn the book, which is how things get resolved in the first movie. But in this, in the remake, so he's, it, not burning. It, he's he's actually has this almost tearful moment where he's like, it won't burn. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he's flipping through the pages, and very much like the ninth gate, the, the only pages that seem to matter are the one with illustrations. Um, and yeah, there's he deciphers some of the script, and it turns out that there's a ritual that if five people die here, um, some sort of demon will come back. Yeah. And there's this one, there's this one etching in there that is very clearly, uh, I think, modeled after the poster of the original Evil Dead. The oh, yeah, the, uh, yeah. Except for it's a corpse coming out of the ground instead of a lady being pulled underground mm. by something coming out of the ground. Yeah. Um, so we kind of get a, a mirror of that image of, of a corpse coming out of the ground. I didn't and even the sky that. rains blood because he, yeah. even, he even states that the sky will, will rain blood and this thing will come back. The Guar Rodi was finally allowed on set. Uh, <laughs> yep. <shit. laughs> He's just like, it's my time. That would have been cool. If somebody could like put a shot in where uh lead singer Guar has got the hose of uh, blood and he's doing his thing. If you could just like put it in somewhere and like edit it in, that'd be pretty funny. Yeah. I'm sure there was like a B-roll shot of someone like doing like on-set photography and just like off 20 feet to the side. <laughs> this guy's just like rocking yeah, just out. Just rocking out. That would be that would be that would have been a nice little trivia thing the 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 crew were listening to Guar while they were doing this scene. Yeah, this entire scene was conducted with Guar blasting. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know who Guar are, look them up. Um, but yeah, so it's 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 a suspenseful scene. Like it's it's it a starts chase. Up, It's very noisy, but it it has this rhythm to it where it goes like super loud and intense, and then it it slows down and it turns into a more suspenseful sequence. It's a cat and mouse scene, but outdoors for the most part, where yep. this corpse lady is chasing our. Um, no longer deadite as Vicky Valancourt. Vicky Valancourt. (laughs) Um, She gets buried alive and comes back to life. Yes. Like, this this feels like a stupid thing, but it works. It works. Again, she's a pretty good actress, and the scene when she's being buried is very effective. Mm -hmm, Very. Um, She's very good. 
Acting through a plastic bag must be very terrifying, Scary. and yeah, I'd be really concerned for my own health. Um, she does it very well, and the, the things that her in demon form says to her brother um i want to suck your cock is not scary but um talking about our dead mom and you driving me to drug use and you know potential suicide and things like that that's effective um and yeah he buries her alive and uh according to the book this is how you can kill a deadite um and it fucking works it works (laughs) and she becomes our new main character because he dies very shortly after um so it's her and the demon gal like one-on-one sky is raining blood this scene looked like it was torture to film oh i'm sure it was because imagine filming in the rain for a few days or a week or whatever but it's blood rain yeah so it's probably like thick and awful (laughs) imagine doing the movie seven but with blood (laughs) but with blood (laughs) rain fake blood yeah um this movie, I had forgotten about the ending, and I'm really glad I went all the way through it. Um, it has what I love, uh, an inventive movie death. Something new that we haven't seen. I have never seen this. It has a few of them, actually. What, what was the couple of the other ones? Well, I mean, the the girl getting her head bashed in with a toilet part was kind of effective. And, uh, and we haven't seen the Boondock Saints. <laughs> and, I mean, he didn't die, but... Man, that nerd took a beating. He like, did take a beating. The, the syringe to the eye stuff. The syringe was to the eye. Brutal. Yeah. And I like that he survived that because in most movies he would have died. Yeah. Because it would have been convenient for that to just kill him. But in real life, it's. He pulls the needle. Oh. The, that's a like a theme that carries over throughout the entire film. We, And it's, again, like kind of paying homage to the style of Evil Dead 81, where it's put right front and center the uncomfortable parts that normally we cut away from we're going to show in torturous detail yeah. where every time somebody gets a nail put into them which is a lot it happens a few times to a few different people uh, we get to watch them very slowly yank the nail out of themselves uh we get to see him pull a syringe out of his sinus cavity yeah. um we get to see a girl cut her own arm off in detail That's on, pretty, on pretty, camera front and center pretty good uh yeah and and they do not shy away from any of it what I'm talking about specifically is the, the chainsaw to the mouth. Like, it's awesome. Like, well, she, I, I, ah! <laughs> like she's just going to town on this. Yeah, uh, so this demon, um, very similar to Blade, um, supposedly horrific, like, world-ending demon destroyed it with conventional means. Mm-hmm. So, the blood god, yeah. Stephen Dorff, not Brad Dorff. <laughs> not Brad Stephen Dorff Dorf is killed by drugs. Mm-hmm. like drugs and syringes and he explodes and he gets exploded and dies uh the demon in evil dead 2013 gets killed with a chainsaw to the mouth and that's it well if you think about it trevor yes um, <laughs> the demon has to kill five people and there are four people at this cabin they've killed four people but she's the fifth one so the demon would have to kill the fifth person to come back all the way i counted her as the fifth person she's not dead though no but she died and came back he had to resuscitate her. But she came back before the last person died. So I, she's alive. I don't, I don't think this demon is like half-powered. I think... I think I th- we're reading too too much yeah, into the narrative. I think we're, I think we're turning into <laughs> neckbeards over Evil Dead we're 2013. We're really <laughs> But no, I counted her as the fifth death because she... they even There's even repetition of it where the nerd says they had to defibrillate her when, when uh, she overdosed before. Oh, yeah. And she's like, he, she was legally dead for a minute or whatever. And I guess 
She died again. So she, this lady's died twice. <laughs> She's gonna have brain damage. Um, one of the more effective um, violent moments in the movie, and there's a lot of them, mm-hmm. uh, to me anyway, was uh, when she's hiding in the shack and she gets a machete put across oh, the yeah. top of her knee. Yeah. The sound design of that, oof. Yeah. Oof, oof, oof. Very effective. Very effective. Um, but yeah, yeah, I like because we get it. We got to circle back to this is a this is a horror movie. Like yeah. this is just nonsense what we're seeing. So. <laughs> It's just really cool that we went with a chainsaw to the mouth. Just and it, and she holds it there for a good solid minute, and then chainsaws up the mouth, like yeah. up through the head. Yeah, so I thought she, it was great. She splits this gal's head in half. Um, yeah, that was one of those moments that I I was chuckling at because it was just so. It's over funny. The, it's funny. It's like funny. there's so much. It's very detailed gore that should not be funny, but combination of like her posture like she looks like one of your gore guys going like Whoa! yeah like she's, she's fucking feeling it <laughs> yeah she's like feeling it in her hips and yeah. like she's just like got this thing in in her face she's mouth fucking her with a with a chainsaw yeah. like it's... and you can tell she's just like putting everything yeah, into it yeah. and it goes on and on and on and there's blood everywhere and i love it's that. a little bit winkingly funny in it's, some ways it is a little bit but this is like grand finale like just yeah, if you're fuck it if you're gonna hit someone with a chainsaw in a movie in 2013 you gotta make it memorable yeah you gotta make it special because we've seen a lot we of have a before. we have a whole franchise dedicated to somebody killing people yeah, with a chainsaw. we have multiple franchise well not franchise but we have multiple films now where people have had chainsaw fights oh yeah <laughs> i yeah. mean i think hotel hell had, no motel hell had that um i think uh texas chainsaw massacre 2 had that apparently this man that, that mandy movie apparently had oh, it too oh man i'm so pissed that it was only in theaters for like the weekend like there was one weekend i think you can rent it now on like on online no way i think so give me a sec <gasps> it's on prime yeah I, I told you fuck yeah oh i can't wait to watch this so in case you didn't notice uh Kyle is going to be watching. Kyle is going to be catching up on Mandy. I will be catching up on Mandy this week, and I can tell you that right now because <laughs> I've heard I've heard some really good things about it. And maybe this is, we're bringing Cage back. Oh, Cage is back, baby! Bringing back Cage. I'm um, Castor Troy. Yeah. <laughs> God, it's a great movie. Um, want to take his face? Oh. oh. Um. I I think that was. Um, I mean pretty much it i had for the evil dead yeah i mean this is more of a you need to understand this is more of like a celebratory podcast yes this is just a this is the chris farley show of of catching on catching up on cinema. yeah that was awesome yeah like, <laughs> yeah remember the, remember part, the part where the girl put the chainsaw into the other girl's mouth that, that was awesome that was awesome well actually <laughs> you should listen to this if you are under the impression that the original evil dead is unwatchable absolutely or you're like, if you're like that's what i'm saying like like my, I have a good friend of mine. He loves movies, and I'm like, you should watch this. You should watch this older movie. It's it's really really good. And he's like, ah, nah, it's just too old for me, man. I can't watch it. And I'm like, well, what's the deal? He's like, you can find something that you like out of those old movies. He's like, I can't really do it. I'm not a film nerd. Uh, I don't like that. And I'm like, that's what we're arguing here is that you should definitely go back and watch that 1981 version because it's still a lot of fun. And you pay attention to it, and you'll you'll find it ambitious. Well, for me, I don't know if this translates to you as well, but for me, part of, like the most enjoyable part of watching it was knowing who made it. Mm-hmm. Like watching this movie from 1981, made with very little money, and just on a hope and a prayer uh-huh. with, with some good buddies in the woods, and then seeing where Sam Raimi's gone with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of neat being able to see, 
like these little quirks carry over into multi-million dollar films it's mm. like you know people people are the way they are you know yeah. like it doesn't matter if they're doing spider-man or army of darkness or evil dead or fucking the quick and the dead oh, i haven't seen you, you see you haven't seen the quick and the no. dead that's a fucking western about a gunfighting tournament that still feels like a sam raimi movie wow i didn't know that was possible exactly and that's part of the fun is um, just seeing just seeing these movies, knowing that they all came from the same guy, and like being able to readily identify what makes it a Sam Raimi movie. No, it'd be an interesting, something interesting to do is actually take um, some of Peter, one of Peter Jackson's old movies, Peter Jackson, like um, Dead Alive or uh, The Frighteners, which I I would like to do an episode on The Frighteners. I think that'd be a lot of fun to. Uh, I know you've seen it, but I like. Know. <clears throat> kind of in defense of more or less like yeah it's a good movie it's a good movie yeah and it went absolutely. and I kind of wanted to talk about it too just because of all the movies that went up against the year it was released holy Stacked shit that's year. Yeah. I, I think that it would be a fun one to do just because of that <laughs> just because of all the movies it went up against yeah I, I mentioned Peter, Peter Jackson Peter Jackson earlier to earlier in the podcast just he kind of has that same feel to him where it's like he did Dead Alive he also did Lord of the Rings. He also did King Kong, and I, as a as an admirer of film, can see that. Mm-hmm. Like I can see him in all of those movies in equal doses, and that's kind of amazing. Like seeing like a so called dignified production like the Lord of the Rings trilogy have that much in common with Dead Alive. Well, you see Peter Jackson go from a neckbeard to uh, a billionaire, basically. Well, you also see him going from a husky gentleman to a skeleton making king kong is he skinny then he he put a lot of himself into the making oh, of that movie okay, okay. and it it took a toll gotcha he used to be a portly gentleman he used, he used to be. he used to look like sala from indiana jones he used to yep. look like john reese davies uh, yeah. <laughs> i think that's about it but uh yeah we'll be i don't know what we'll be catching up on next time we'll have to wait and see yeah uh, i enjoyed catching up on evil dead yeah hell yeah go watch it and hereditary <laughs>